You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks and welcome to episode 101 of Let's Talk Apple. This is the show for January 2022 and I'm your host Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today I have a panel who are small in number but very high in quality. So I'm going to start by welcoming back an old friend Chuck Joyner. Thank you for rejoining me. Hey Bart, thank you for having me. It's always a, a blast and I'm certainly glad when our schedules can intersect. It doesn't happen often enough. A bloody earth being round thing. It's very annoying, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny I, we lived in a maybe, flat earth. Well, oh, maybe we should adopt the, the whole flat earth philosophy, see if that helps. I was going to say, I don't think reality cares what we believe. I think, unfortunately, it'll do its thing regardless. Good point. Also joining me for the first time, we have a new uh, voice on the show. Rosemary Orchard from, quote, various podcasts is joining us. Rosemary, welcome aboard. Thank you very much for having me. And it's a pleasure to be here and also fun to run into Chuck as well, who I also don't see often enough. Uh-huh. There you go. I'm, I'm acting as like a, a, a podcasting matching service of some sort. <laughs> Since this is your first time, Rosemary, do you want to give the listener just a little quick, you know, 30 second or well, minute, you know, whatever you like, a little, a little quick uh, introduction of some of the various podcasts they can find you on? Uh, yes. Uh, so I host Automators on Relay FM with David Sparks, all about automating uh, things primarily on Mac and iOS. Um, and I also host iOS Today on the Twit Network uh, with Micah Sargent, diving into iOS fun. And I also uh, host Nested Folders um, with Scotty Jackson, which is a productivity podcast. And that's when I'm not being a developer, which is my day job. Where do you find time for your day job? Well, I've heard this thing called sleep is really good fun and really good for you, but um, I, I, I'm not that experienced with it, so I couldn't possibly <laughs> back that up. Well, as long as you can get away with it, it's all good. Um, you say you're a developer, so what, what kind of software do you like to write? Or what well, do you have to write if that's the day job? Uh, I, I, it's both like and have to. Um, I'm a web developer in my day job, and then I do iOS stuff in free time, um, which is good fun. I've been monkeying around with some more Objective-C recently. Yeah. <laughs> I I have been a programmer for many, 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 many years. And the one language that refuses to enter my brain, I mean, Bash has gone in, every every other weird language has gone in, Lisp has gone in, Objective-C will not go into my brain. I don't know why. I'm not very good at writing it, I have to say, but monkeying around with things that don't quite work and fixing them seems to be working. So I'm just going to pretend that I understand what I'm doing and get other people to review my code. <laughs> Uh, yes good good share the blame share the blame indeed well let us get stuck into a month's worth of apple news so uh before we kick into the main stories and stuff a few little quick updates on some stuff we've been tracking last month we spoke about a plant uh, a foxconn plant in india where things were going poorly to put it mildly um when last we spoke the plant had actually been closed so they could make basically make it not be a death trap Um, They appear to have finished that work and the plant has reopened. And as far as I have heard, the workers haven't gone on strike again. So I hope that means the plant is running properly this time. Um, I guess no news is good news. 
Um, I believe I also mercilessly mocked the French for insisting that Apple keep putting headphones into iPhones because, well, would somebody think of the children? That whole mobile phone thing will kill their brains, don't you know? Uh, the French have now decided that killing the environment is probably worse than fictitious problems with cell phones, so they have changed the law and Apple have yoinked the headphones. So, moving on to legal latest then. We have, uh, let me see, ah yes, the bizarre American lawsuit about Apple selling refurbished phones, but that's not being, quote, equivalent to new, which I disagree with the U.S. court system in that judgment. But OK, fine. Apple lost the court case. Ninety five million. Um, You can now, if you are affected, you can register to become a member of the class. Or if you feel like suing Apple all by yourself, you can reject the settlement, which then leaves you not bound by it. And yeah, you can then go find a lawyer and have another go. Um. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone has a strong feeling on this one. I've bought lots of refurbished devices from Apple before, um, and say? I've never had a problem with them. Whenever friends and family are looking for something and they're a little bit concerned about price, I always recommend them because the only thing that's not like new in my experience that I've ever had is that it comes in a very boring white box. Yeah, that's it. The plain box. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It, I, the box is plain. So tragic. I haven't bought a new, new Apple product in at least a decade and a half. I buy everything refurb. And because I work in education and have an education email address, I buy refurb in the education store. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If you can stack the discounts, it is pretty nice. It makes a nice difference. And particularly when, it, you know, the, like the iMac at the time was the model, this uh, 27 inch iMac I'm on now, at the time it had already, the same model had existed for a year and a half or so. So I was able to get a refurb of the current model. And so that that stage, you really, it's just, it's just all savings. But you don't yeah. get the shiny box. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we unfortunately have a new, what I fear is going to be long running saga to add to this section of the show. Apple and Ericsson have gotten really quite cranky with each other. So Ericsson do cell phone stuff, particularly 5G, 4G, all that kind of stuff. They're, you know, that low level stuff. And for many years, they had a patent agreement with Apple and that expired and they went into negotiation to negotiate a new price and they were unable to come to terms, I think is is how you would put it. So they've decided to have a go at the court system for a while and see how that works out for them. So I'm going to take a deep breath here because they didn't. A lot of these stories, you do it in one court and every other court sort of goes on pause until that one case settles it all. But this is not how this one appears to be going down. So, in America, Ericsson sues Apple. Then, also in America, Apple countersues Ericsson, seeking a ban on the import of their 5G base stations. You know, hit them where it hurts. Then, Ericsson strike back simultaneously in Brazil, Germany, the Netherlands, and Belgium. Nice to see my home country get a mention, I guess. Anyway, so they strike, they countersue there. And in Germany, then, Apple have countersued Ericsson in Germany. So that's five jurisdictions in play with court cases in both directions in at least two of them. So, yeah, they seem to mean it. I'm, yeah, I'm a little bit confused as to why they didn't come to terms with each other and 
why both case, why both sides have apparently got plenty of lawyers who both think that they're completely and utterly in the right and they're definitely going to win this. Um, because it's a lot of lawsuits. Um, and I, I understand uh, Apple going after um, the, the import of the base stations because the UK got rid of or attempted to get rid of um, Huawei from mm. the 5G network um, in 2020. Um, so about 18 months ago now, I think they were supposed to be getting rid of everything. Um, and that did at the very least affect them over here. But I don't know how much it affected Huawei elsewhere. I know it's still incredibly popular in the most of Asia, which is a very large continent with a lot of people on it. So I don't suspect it's really hurting them. But Ericsson, I believe, originally are Swedish. Um, and Definitely Scandinavian. Yeah. Um, and so I remember having a Sony Ericsson phone. It was one of those mm. slide ones. It was pretty good. But um, yeah, I, I don't personally have any experience with their, their 5G antenna other than what might be in my iPhone. Yeah, I actually don't know what's in my iPhone, is it? Anyway. Or indeed what's on my base station. For all I know, I'm talking to, I'm connected to an Ericsson base station right now, for all I know. Uh, yeah, is it, we're back to this whole fair and reasonable uh, pricing for patent, uh, for, um, yeah, patent essential patents and stuff. And yeah. Well, anyway, well, I think that's going to run and run. Chuck, did you have? Uh... Yeah, the, the one thing here is, you know, you're going up against Apple and Apple has an awfully big war chest. And Apple yeah. does not have a habit of backing down. And so, you know, it, it, I mean, it, it looks like a war of escalation, especially the way you, you, uh, you pre- presented it, Bart. And if that's the case, then forget the facts of the case. We haven't even talked about that. But, you know, just, uh, you know, suing Apple is never a good idea. Yeah, it's, I, I guess, stack up all the court cases, see how they go, and then decide whether or not to settle, I guess, is the logic. Well, I also wonder how much of, each different arm of Apple knew what was going on in what country. Um, Apple, mm. I suspect, are probably better interconnected than other um, companies such as Samsung, who have, <laughs> to, you know, parts of Samsung make for freezers, parts of Samsung make television, parts of Samsung also made screens, which get shipped to Apple and put on the iPhone or whatever it is. So there's there's a whole bunch of different things. And so I bet, you know, if you talk to the Fritrisa section of Samsung about what was going on in the television section, they wouldn't have a clue. Um, and I wonder how much of this is, you know, the same company failing at internal communication or whether or not it's entirely deliberate because they think that by doing this in multiple countries at the same time, they'll have a better chance of winning. Um, but... Even within the EU, winning a court country in one case does not mean that you're going to win it in another. No, no, unless you're doing it on the basis of EU law or something, unless you're going after GDPR or something universe-wide, no, (laughs) Europe-wide. Yeah, you're you're not going to. It's an interesting strategy. It's certainly a case, I, I guess the message Apple are getting is, we're not joking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, they're making Ericsson fight the war on that many more fronts. And that's, well, Apple. Are, yeah, yeah. What did I say? App, yeah, Apple's making Ericsson fight the battle on more fronts. Well, it's the other way around, right? right? Because it's Ericsson who went multi-country. Yes, but Apple account is suing them, which is using even more of their resources. Right. Yeah, right. So, and considering uh, how much money Apple's currently sitting on, if they were a dragon, they would be very, very happy. I don't <laughs> think if the, if we're looking at this from a purely how how long can we pay the lawyers for this. Apple are definitely going to win on that one unless somebody owes Ericsson a major favor. 
And the thing, of course, with these very large companies, their lawyers are are are, are just staff. They're employees. Mm. They're not even you don't even hire a law firm, right? They're just employees. So this they can just do this forever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speaking of forever, <laughs> Apple versus Epic. Um, nothing stupendously dramatic on this little saga this month, but nonetheless, stuff is moving along. Um, Epic had said they would appeal. Uh, they have now filed some paperwork in that appeal, and basically they say the court got it wrong in defining monopoly, or rather defining that Apple isn't one. Um, and so they filed their paperwork to that extent. And then what I didn't see coming was an amicus brief from the... Department of Justice in the United States, a bunch of uh, attorneys general in various states and Microsoft signing on on Epic's side. I I didn't see that coming. Uh, I don't know how much of an effect that will have on the judge, but that is definitely a thing. And just because it's related, uh, you can now play Fortnite again on iOS, although not from Epic. You can get it through NVIDIA's GeForce Now gaming service cloudy gaming service so if you have an iphone and are desperate to play Fortnite, uh, give nvidia some of your money yeah this is interesting i'm not quite sure i've uh, i tried to do some reading around and i didn't find a huge amount necessarily on just explaining why microsoft have said 100 why they're behind this they've not gone into explicit detail as to why they think Epic are definitely in the right here versus Apple being in the wrong. Um, And I mean, it's interesting that they are there. Their own app store was um, rather spectacularly the humongous flop with the Windows phone. Um, They literally tried to pay developers to develop apps for them, but it was the chicken and the egg problem. There are no users because there are no apps. There are no apps because there are no users. Um, And so... Ironically, if they had uh, managed better and been more successful, then this would probably be less of an issue at the very least from a business phone perspective, which would have got a lot more devices out there and then reduce um, Apple's market share and therefore whether or not they can be classified as a monopoly. We shall see what the judge rules. Um, It will be interesting to see. We have two appeals from the two sides at the same time, which is kind of unusual, right? Normally someone wins and someone loses and only one person appeals, but they're both appealing different bits of it. So we'll wait and see. I won't say with bated breath because that will be a lie, but we shall wait and see. Well, and, and you know, Bart, I, I have to throw in here that the, the 35 uh, state attorney generals, um, you know, that just, that felt like, look at me, look at me. You know, I'm, 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 I'm politicking against big tech. And so, you know, this is a way to do it. And it's a way to do it basically on somebody else's dime. So I'm highly suspect of that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chuck, but I believe most attorneys general are, are, there are attorneys general who are elected and it is an election year. Uh, That's my understanding. Yeah. So I I think you're right. I I think this might be about, look at me, look at me. I'm, I'm showing arrows at big tech. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The, the second rule behind follow the money is follow the politics. Which is kind of follow the money to really. <laughs> <laughs> yes, subparagraph B. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, and then one last thing just to mention. Um, a, a flick type is a third-party keyboard that the guy behind it feels very strongly that Apple stole his stuff. And there was some question as to whether he basically lodged the court case against Apple. Apple appealed and wanted to get it thrown out, basically. And the judge has ruled and said, no, we're not going to throw it out. 
the half of the um, complaints can proceed as they are, and the other half can be resubmitted. So they're not accepted as they are, but they could be reworded and resubmitted. So at least half the case is definitely moving forward, and more of the case may well move forward. So it would appear that uh, Flicktype are going to get their day in court, and we'll again wait and see what happens on that one. Now, I'm going to jump us into Apple HR and acquisition news, although there hasn't really been much acquisition news in ages. Apple, if they're buying stuff, they're doing it very quietly. We haven't seen. Anyway, um, I thought it was interesting to see how much money you make as the CEO of Apple. Um, I know Steve Jobs took a quote-unquote salary of $1, but made a stonking amount of money through stock options and so forth. Uh, Tim is clearly 3 million times better than Steve because his basic salary is $3 million. Uh, because he hit his financial and environmental sustainability goals, he got twelve million as a as a bonus. So his bonus is four times his base salary. Great. And then just to round it off, in case that wasn't sufficient, he also got stock awards worth a little over eighty two million, and some quote unquote other compensation for about one point four million, which is security, travel, pension, life insurance, and. Uh, vacation cash out apparently he doesn't take his holidays so he was owed a little more than the three million because he doesn't take enough time off well good mm-hmm. on him <laughs> i personally think that everybody ought to take all the time off that they're allowed and you know i agree maybe even maybe even look at buying some holiday that's the thing that you can do in in many countries and many companies which is quite a nice feature um I have to say, to Tim Cook's credit, um, and this is also in the article that uh, you linked us to, um, that um, he is donating large chunks of this to charity, which is quite nice. And I suspect, um, I don't know what the op or how the stock was sold slash awarded to him originally, but I suspect even if he wanted to sell it or give it away, he couldn't just because of the tax implications on it um, yes. were he to do so, um, let alone any other legal binding that Apple may or may not have put in place on that um, when when he first received and has continually since then been awarded them. But yeah, uh, it is stock award doesn't mean he can cash it out now, right? That no. just means that they've given it to him and they will mature or vest, I believe, is a fancy pants term at some stage. At some stage, yes, yes. But, you know, it is interesting. He does not earn um, over $100 million a year. So, you know, that <laughs> that that makes his salary still a lot more than mine. Um, but, hey, you know, he does seem to work pretty hard. Um, you know, as you could tell from the, the muscles in the, uh, I think it was the March keynote last year, or was it the summer one? Whichever one, everybody noticed immediately that apparently he'd been hitting the gym. So clearly this is part of the reward, I guess. Yeah, well, good on him for finding the time and running Apple and, yeah, credit to him. You know, and I think it's worth mentioning that, uh, looking at the bonus, uh, mm. $12 million for hitting financial and environmental sustainability goals. So there is a, a big factor of performance based on this. And I believe, right. I could be wrong, but I think the same thing is true for the stock awards. So yeah. it's not just like, you know, the, Apple opened the checkbook and said, here, Tim. You know, they, yes, believe me. Um, <laughs> That's pretty Rosemary, open. Rosemary, I'm with you. Yeah, but Rosemary, I'm with you. You know, $3 million salary is a lot more than my salary. Um, but that said, you know, he also has to perform. And yeah. he's been doing, he and the company have been doing so admirably. So he deserves to be rewarded. I mean, that's that's a, that's an arrangement that he and the board negotiated, I'm sure, and he's made good on it. So that means he should be paid. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't find his. I mean, it is literally the most successful company in the world. So the CEO is probably due a bit, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, and to and he also was the person who got all of their logistics supply chains and everything in place um, in yeah. the first place, which led them to the place where they are today. And I think have probably helped them out significantly over the pandemic, as we've all seen, you know, supply chains and logistics break down in various places. Apple stuff has still been relatively easy to get with quite short wait times, which I have to say is impressive. When I ordered the purple iMac, I didn't think it was coming for a while. And just like always, they promised it would be here in two months and it was here in like four and a half weeks. Yeah, um, it's so, my, yeah. my Apple Watch unexpectedly and unwantedly went on the fritz the week before last. It just, it like I would get to lunchtime and it would be giving me a buzz saying battery low. So, oh. God, you know, I haven't done anything yet and you're already run out and I want to go for a cycle later. So I ended up charging it like three times a day. The thing was clearly dead and I, I, it was two and a half years old and I was kind of hoping to stretch it to three. But I, I, I figured, what the hey, time for a new one. I'll, I'll order a blue Series 7. I'll get it God knows when. I had it 24 hours later. No, sorry, 48. It was two days. But yeah, you know. yeah, it is genuinely quite impressive how well they, they are still doing. And I suspect a chunk of that is down to the, the groundwork that he laid. I'm, I'm sure he's no yeah. longer as directly as involved in setting this up as originally he he was. But, you know, the, the groundwork was laid so that Apple would be in the place where they could negotiate things like this. I was talking to um, the dealer where I bought my car um, last year and he was saying, you know, companies like Apple, they've got entire teams set like and their entire job is just buy chips, buy whatever chips they need. And car manufacturers can't get them. So my parents, they've got a new car coming, but the wing mirrors won't fold in and out automatically. They're going to have to take it back to the garage sometime later, date to be determined to get a chip to get fitted. to get the chip retrofitted, um, yeah. so that the wing mirrors will open and close um, and can be electrically adjusted instead of manually. Um, it's like okay, well, if that's the biggest problem that they're having in the world. You know, welcome to first world problems. Yeah. But equally, we, we're not finding that iPhones are suddenly shipping with less features. So, you know, they're, they're Apple do seem to be performing well, which yeah. is pretty great. Uh, funny in you other... should say that... Uh, sorry, Chuck. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, funny that um, Rosemary should tell that story because I had a recall on my car and took it in to be taken care of. And they put me off for like three months because they couldn't get the part because the part had a chip in it that they couldn't get. Well, so, I hope you know, it wasn't it's, a it's one thing for a new car. Yeah, well, it wasn't a big safety recall, let's put it that way. I mean, it was one of those things that, you know, if if the phase of the moon is right and you kill a chicken, you know, it, it probably might cause me a problem. But it's still the idea that, okay, it's a safety recall, and they couldn't even put that on priority. They just could not get the chips. Yeah. Well, I think at the start of the pandemic, the expectation was no one would buy cars, and so they all canceled their orders. And then when they realized that everyone was suddenly petrified of public transport and wanted cars, they desperately tried to increase their chip orders and found there were no chips. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, literally, the ship had sailed and it was stuck outside LA forever. Um, yes. 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 My car was stuck on a boat from France for a very long time. And France, the UK, is really not that long. No, so it must have been a port problem as opposed to an ocean problem. Yes, yes, yes. But my, the 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 dealership kept saying it's on the boat. It's on the boat. It's like I'm I'm sure it is on a boat. I just don't think that boat is on water anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> where is this boat? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, in other news, um, slightly related actually. Um, so the 
Well, it's all a bit mysterious as to who's on what team, but as far as the rumour mill is concerned, uh, Joe Bass was the head of software engineering on the Apple Car project, and he is now sodded off to join uh, Meta, of all places. And uh, I more point out that almost everyone who we think was on the Apple Car management team a year ago is sodded off. However, simultaneously, they have increased the number of test drivers registered in California, so they're still doing uh, something. Um... Very hard to know what's going on in that car project, but from everything we can see on the outside, smooth sailing, it does not appear to be. Part of me wonders if there are two Apple car projects going on. That, like ooh. there's because because there's the one where they've now got 148 people registered to test drive their vehicles. So yeah. clearly that is progressing. And right. then there's the other one where they're trying to make their own super fancy. It's actually CarPlay, not really a car. Maybe it's AR, VR, whatever it is. Um, magic. And maybe that's the one that's not going so well. Because the the two pieces of news that we're getting, and this happens continually. It's been happening for months, years even. Yeah. Are, are there, stuff's going really, really well. Everybody's leaving. Stuff's going really well. Everyone's leaving. And I'm wondering if maybe there's actually a divergence here in that there's two projects. It would not be unlike Apple to have, um, you know, multiple right. different things racing to the finish and then looking it up, looking at them and evaluating them later and going, that's the one. That's the one we're going to pick. Yeah, that's um, Tony Fidel who designed an iPhone that none of us ever saw. Mm, yeah. Precisely. Now, I'm so, glad we didn't because a click wheel phone doesn't strike me as a great idea in hindsight. I mean, I mean, I, I saw where it was coming from, but yeah, I'm kind of glad that we went with the touch screen that's so easy to use. I think a click wheel would probably drive me up the wall. You know, it would have made sense for a year, <laughs> then it wouldn't have. <laughs> um, the thing we never hear, we we never hear about the salaries involved. You know, I mean, mm. this could be just a case of Meta having a lot of money and they're they trying to buy the talent. And it works the other way around too, right? Because we regularly see Apple poaching people in from, from other places. So it is swings and roundabouts. Um, most months is quite symmetrical in the show notes, the people coming in and the people going out. But this month, it's actually quite asymmetrical. So uh, we also have Microsoft hiring away a semiconductor engineer. Uh, we also have Intel taking back Jeff Wilcox, who was one of the main drivers behind the M1, but had come from Intel in the first place. So he's gone back home, I guess. Um, and so there's really no one from outside. Oh, sorry. No, I I should read my own show notes a little bit better. Um, there is a slight swing to the roundabout. Apple have poached uh, Andrea Schubert from Meta's AOR group. So AOR again seems to be a big deal for Apple. And uh, Apple then went with an internal promotion to replace their rather new head of uh, worldwide uh, PR. Uh, Stella Lowe joined Apple from Cisco in May and is already sodded off. Uh, being replaced uh, by Christine uh, Huguet, or I'm going to pronounce it Huguet, and I'm probably wrong. Sorry, Christine. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's the, that didn't work out. Mm. Yes, yes. I wonder if um, they uh, they thought that uh, the outsider was going to be amazing and then realized that actually, no, the perfect person was right in front of them all along in that particular case. Or... Uh, or if maybe she hadn't put herself forward before, that's entirely possible or something. Uh, it is 
fairly well known that women are less likely to put themselves forward for promotions. Um, generally, I'm obviously not able to comment on her personal situation. Um, but statistically speaking, um, they tend not to put themselves forward. Um, so maybe maybe she didn't do that and realized that she could do a better job and spoke up or who knows. But I'm glad to see that somebody who's been working for Apple for a long time is getting a promotion because, you know, if you work anywhere for a long time, it's nice to be rewarded. I agreed entirely. And I just can't help but think of, uh, was it Josh Browett or someone Browett who Apple hired from PC World at one of those garbage PC places? Uh, that didn't work out well either. Um, and this sort of reminds me of that, you know. And I, yeah. Anyway, Cisco to uh, Apple to gone in less than a year. Anyway. And I just finally like, just, I, sorry, Chuck. I, I personally, yeah, I personally would like to see Jeff Wilcox's exit interviews. <laughs> they're, they're become they're becoming frequent. I mean, he could publish a book apparently, <laughs> you know, back and forth and back and forth. And so, the the salary negotiations there and the terms have to be really interesting. And he's good, so I'd say there's a lot of people asking him to. Yeah, that, that must be very fun to play the companies off against each other and uh, move over and back. It was a good position to be in. Uh, and then the last thing just uh, caught my eye is that award-winning German producer uh, Franziska Ander Gassen uh, is joining Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, there's a bit of a focus on getting more European content because otherwise you end up in trouble in the EU if you don't do local content. So mm-hmm. that explains yep. that. Yes. Also, German uh, content um, or content for German audiences is more likely to get dubbed than, say, something uh, for Dutch or even Belgian audiences. Um because German, obviously spoken in Germany, but also Austria and Switzerland and generally more widely and their population is significant enough that uh, dubbing is worthwhile. So also producing content directly for them uh, makes sense because dubbing is not the easiest of jobs to do. It isn't. And I think there's also a cultural thing. The Germans just expect mm-hmm. it to be dubbed. So they have like Captain Picard without John, uh, John, you know, without the right voice. It's just really wrong, really wrong. Whereas yes. the Belgians are like, we'll speak English. Don't worry about us. Yes, yes, yes. And the Dutch just don't even pretend and just point their antennas at the, the BBC radio, uh, BBC television <laughs> stations. I do. <laughs> and, no, I learned to watch then. snooker in my, my Belgian uh, great-grandfather's house, actually on a black and white television with that infamous line. For those of you watching in black and white, the pink is next to the blue. I thought, great. That's very helpful. Yep. <laughs> Um, yep. some quickly some subscription highlights and I'm going to do a little programming note here this is episode 101 so it's time for a fresh start I am fed up of reading out a list of new award nominations every month it was fun for a while when it was news that Apple got some nominations there were like 20 of them this month I am done reading that list every month so you have to win an award Apple to get a mention in this section of my show so there you go I've upped the bar uh, similarly for a while, it was news that Apple Arcade was not forgotten after all, and that they were actually releasing games on a regular basis. And so every month I would read out all the new games. Well, I'm done with that too, because that's just become repetitive. So Apple are continuing to push out games. There's now over 200 of them on Apple Arcade. In fact, Apple did a whole big press release, something their chest about how great they are. So more than 200 games in Arcade, 90 million lossless songs in Apple Music, and actually one number that is... Interesting to see Apple uh, tout is 745 million paid subscriptions to Apple's various services. That's a lot of money coming in. Explains where some of their war chest is coming from. It does. And also how they were able to get Fruit Ninja back on the iPhone and the iPad because I missed that game and so I'm glad it's back. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. 
Uh, Apple Fitness Plus getting a little bit of TLC. Time to Run and Collections are joining it. Um, And then speaking of actually winning some awards to get mentioned in the show, uh, Jason Sudeikis has managed to win a Golden Globe Award for Ted Lasso. Who could have guessed? Uh, And also Apple have gotten two Technology and Engineering Emmy Awards. And I would put the details in the show notes, but I didn't actually understand the awards. I, I I read the title of what Apple won, and I am none the wiser as to why they won, but they are technologically Emmy quality. So. Yes, standardization of HTTP encapsulated protocols is such a beautiful title, which yeah. means nothing to, I would guess, probably 98.5% of people. Um, I, I can know what hazard is. a pretty good guess as to what it is from my day job, but... It doesn't sound award-worthy, but anyway, it must be good. They, they won themselves an award. So we have four main stories to touch off this month. We have Intel touting their new i9, which I'm sort of having this in here as the universe that might have been. Then mm. we're going to move on for a fairly difficult topic. The The AirTag has, has become a little bit controversially. Yeah, we'll talk about that more for second story. Third story is the giant big hodgepodge of things that is the App Store. Uh, cluster something or other we shall call that and then uh, finally just a mention of apple's q2 2022 earnings call to round out the main stories so let us get stuck in with the easiest story of the month which is definitely the i9 if apple hadn't have gone their own way they would have obviously been waiting with bated breath for these new chips and they would have gone into the various pro machines so what did intel manage to come up with for their portable cpus well they managed to go with teeny tiny bit faster than Apple, use all the electricity on planet Earth and enough heat to boil an egg. So my basic takeaway is, okay, great, you managed to find one statistic to beat Apple on on a spreadsheet, but you know something? I'm really, really, really happy this garbage isn't in any of our computers anymore because you can't make a thin, low-profile, power-efficient device with all-day battery life with one of these hogs inside it. I was looking at the uh, the chart that uh, Intel provided that is in the IMOR article. And one of the things that struck me almost immediately, and I think I have to thank Jason Snell for this because he mentioned this ages ago on one of his podcasts. I think it was Upgrade. Um, you always have to look at where they start from. <laughs> and the chart here starts at 15 watts. And then Intel's Core i9 12900 um, starts somewhere between the 25 and the 35 range. Whereas the M1 Max starts much closer to the 15 watt range of power usage. And uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting how they've also given themselves a nice thick line there where they're illustrating things and they've given the M1 Max a very, very skinny line so that it looks really, really small and pathetic. But realistically, I mean, I'm hearing from friends who've got the M1 Max and they are very happy with performance. I've just got an M1 in my iMac and it's brilliant. So yeah, I like the fact that my devices don't, I don't know, set my house on fire whilst charging. That seems like a bonus to me. Yeah, and well, you know, think- not needing fans and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's there's a lot to be said for efficiency mm. because it just makes for a better product. Yeah, I've got well, a tiny Anchor Nano 65-watt charger and it's barely bigger than the old iPad bricks used to be. Barely bigger than that. And it that that's all I need for my MacBook Pro. That's, that's it. cool, yeah. But I have to wonder if this i9 will ever see 
the inside of an actual machine that you can buy at, at, a, at a store. I mean, Didn't okay, this is great. This is a gaming laptop, which I assume is a real product, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it's an aspirational product. I don't I, know. I, I mean, I just... Uh, it Your spidey sense is tingling there, Chuck. You, you think this, is, this isn't going far? Well, I don't think it's going far, Bart. Uh, you know, for lots of reasons. You, like you mentioned, the electricity part, the heat part. Um, you know, certainly there are industries and use cases where both of those could be excused for a lot of extra performance. But I don't, as, as I believe you pointed out when you started this, it's not a lot of extra performance. And there's a lot of extra considerations that have to be made here. So even even if it's that much smaller, you know, why wouldn't you go with with one of the M1s and, you know, be almost 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 as powerful if you're really, you know, pegging things in the scoreboard, almost as powerful, but have a lot less, uh, a lot lower operating expenses, both from the cooling of the machine standpoint, as well as the the driving the machine to, to do the work. This, yeah. Yeah. This looks to me like it's a desktop only processor based right. purely on the power and fan requirements, like a desktop machine is the one that's going to have space um, to get those fans in there and to just have power because what good is a laptop if you unplug it and then 20 minutes later you have to plug it back in again yeah i mean when i was a student i lugged around a 17 inch macbook pro but that was basically a desktop that had a weekend home and a weekday home yes yes yeah that i did I had a 13-inch MacBook Air at university until my final year when I upgraded to a 13-inch MacBook Pro, and that was very exciting. Um, but even then, you know, I barely moved it off the desk all that much. I think I, I did have tonsillitis and flu in my final year, so I ended up spending about three, four weeks working in bed um, mm. because I got them sort of the same time and slightly consecutively. So there was a lovely overlap period where I was just not well. Um, and being able to use laptop in bed was great, but I still had to bring the power cable there. Nowadays, um, I genuinely don't remember the last time I charged my MacBook Pro. I'm guessing probably a week ago or so, but I use it for an hour or so in the evening every day. And um, it's still going strong. Like I'll find a power cable for it at some point and plug it in, but it's not something I ever need to think about. And portable devices are that sort of thing nowadays where people don't want to be tethered. It's not convenient to be tethered. So if if they're looking for a portable machine, they're either looking for it because it's going to have a weekday home and a weekend home or because they actually need it to be portable. And I think the the M1 Mac Mini and the the M1 Max MacBook Pros or Max Mac, whatever <laughs> the naming terminology is, because it's very, very difficult. Thanks, Apple. You made that so easy. I probably just could be better from all perspectives, um, if only because you can actually buy the machines. Yeah. And... I mean, I can see gamers buying this kind of a machine, but that's not a huge market. Like, that's not normal people everyday market. Whereas what real people want, like, there's so... Most people's machines are overpowered as it is. What they want is lightweight, good battery, not an uber-fast CPU so I can read my email a microsecond faster. 
you know, it's not, this is not what humans need. This is like some exec went, we absolutely have to beat Apple on something. Find me a statistic where we can beat Apple on something. Crank this thing up to the max. You know. So that explains why the art department was involved in the charts. There we go. Oh, yeah. There were some very creative people involved in the charts. <laughs> yeah, that's off to marketing. Definitely. Definitely. Um, unless someone else has a strong opinion, I, I'm going to move us on because I don't really think there's a huge amount to that story, apart from pointing and laughing and being happy that Apple went their own way is, is all I have to say, really. Um, so that then brings us on to the more difficult uh, topic of the month, which is uh, abuses of Apple's AirTag. And I'm going to lay my cards out here and say I am a huge user of the AirTag. I own 12 of them um, and I am extremely fond of them. And I have felt from day one that it was to Apple's credit that they announced the safeguards and the device in the same keynote at the same time. And they didn't release a product and then add in safeguards. But it is also true that they could do better. Um, So there are a bunch of anecdotes making the news, like finding an AirTag hidden in a car, uh, a particularly worrying case where a model had an AirTag dropped in her uh, coat pocket and, you know, it beeped as she was driving home. Um, But the thing that always strikes me is all of these anecdotes, the AirTag is found because the AirTag is working as designed and alerting people that it is doing something suspicious. Yeah, this is what strikes me. We had tiles for what, how many years? Mm-hmm. Probably a good five or so. Um, and I actually got my uh, my house keys back after I left them in a hotel room in uh, Amsterdam because, oh, no, 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 we can't find them. There's a tracking device on them. Somebody literally walked past them five minutes ago and they're in in the hotel, likely in the reception area. Oh, hey, we found your we found your house keys. Um, you know, like the, the magic that is device trackers does allow people to actually get stuff back. And that's been working for ages. But Tile was sold to Life360, whose business is selling your data. Yep. And, th- you know, I we've always had these problems with whatever these Bluetooth devices were for tracking your location. It's just people have never been aware of it because they've never been able to really find out unless they're actually going around using the technology and the apps to scan for devices like that. And it's even worse, though, with GPS devices, which you can get quite yeah. cheaply because they literally there's nothing for you to scan for. And, yeah. and they phone home over the cellular network. Yep. Yep. And I have to say, like, AirTags are being, you know, called out here as something that is very easy for people to get their hands on. They're cheap um, and so on. But they're also really easy to find out about. And let's face it, if people are using technology for bad, people have been doing that for a very, very, very long time. From abusive spouses to, you know, hacking people's um, accounts directly, social engineering, um, all sorts of things. I think it's really to our to Apple's credit that all of this stuff is just being found out about because the air tech goes, hi, I'm over here. Hi, I'm over here. Frequently. My dad borrowed my car to wash it because he likes to wash my car, whatever. But hey, it, he you. was driving 20 minutes away and back and the air tech alerted him within the hour that he was gone to say, by the way, did you know there's an air tech with you? And he's like, yeah, it's the car keys. Of course, I know there's an air tech with me. Like it's it's right there on the keychain. Like I'm using it. Um, but you know, he was he was informed about that, and that's well within the window that Apple 
said. Um, and I think that that's a feature, not a bug, as far as I'm concerned, because I think it's great that all of these things are so easy to find. And Apple even released their own app for Android, letting people find AirTags. So I, I know there is a third party one as well. Yeah. So, Mike, sorry, I'll let you go, Chuck, because I've already had some of my say. So. Well, I was just going to say, Rosemary only left out one thing, and that is that they're by Apple. And so, therefore, if you put Apple on a headline, any headline, <laughs> good or bad, you're going to get clicks. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that, that's the first thing. The second thing, and I think maybe this point is, is I brought this point up before, and it's not a popular point, but the bad guys are going to use the very best things they can find to accomplish their, their objectives. And so this is an endorsement of the effectiveness of the AirTag. You know, and I, I, Bart, I'd be curious, though, you made a comment when you started hmm. that Apple could do just a little bit better. Yeah. And I want to ask you, what, what do you think they could do better that would not reduce the effectiveness and the usefulness of the AirTag? Two things. Because that, Okay. So the first thing is Apple's official Android app doesn't run in the background, whereas the third-party AirGuard one does. And the whole reason it works so well on the iPhone is that you don't have to you don't have to run an app to find AirTags. The phone will proactively look for them and tell you. Android need to have that same experience. And realistically, to get there, Apple can release an app as good as AirGuard, but that's not the ideal solution. Apple should open source the safety technology so that anyone can put it into the core OS of any phone. And then I could just not criticize Apple anymore. Then I will be done. The only problem with open sourcing something like that is then you're actually open sourcing the vulnerabilities and the ways around the technology um, as well. And that is, you know, the the same case, whether or not it's antivirus software or, um, you know, any security mechanism. But if they did make it into a library that could be installed or did what they've done, did with Google with um, the the tracking for the COVID. um, Yes data finding where they just directly work with them in a partnership because let's face it we've got choices of ios and android or dumb phones pretty much um but if they directly work with uh, with google and say hey like you know we want to build this in you can release your own tracker that's cool we'll reciprocate and build support into finding that into our devices because that will also strengthen their this air tag was last seen at this place network massively yeah which would be really helpful um for everybody um and so yeah i'm 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 not 100 percent certain about open sourcing it in general i'm massively in favor of open sourcing things um but in a situation like this where we've already seen this being abused i would be slightly wary of open sourcing it as the first port of call if i were apple myself i would argue the security shouldn't be based on obscurity and i'm almost certain it isn't i'm i, I oh, from my I'm understanding is it's, it's built not, on yeah. solid crypto primitives so yeah it should be. It should. I, I wouldn't be so nervous about it. In fact, if anything, I think it's probably good that to have more eyes on it. But either way, I guess you're right. The, the key point isn't the open source. The key point is the ubiquitous availability. So if that is the same model as we got for the COVID tracker, then I would be just as happy with that. I think I think I don't know which Apple would go for if they were given a choice of the two. They probably pick option number three because they are Apple um, and they'll do whatever <laughs> yes, they it are. is they decide to do themselves. Um, but it would be pretty great if just like uh, the COVID tracking, this sort of thing were built into your device, um, just generically scanning regularly, periodically for devices that are not paired to your device that are found nearby. Um, 
to alert you so that you are generically aware of these problems. That's true, actually, because if there's any Bluetooth device moving with you that isn't yours, I'd kind of like to know that now that you you mention it, because it really could be anything. Yeah, it could be a tile. It could be um, any of the other kind of Bluetooth trackers. There's well, nut, tag, all sorts of things. Um, and people have been using these for a long time um, to find where their keys are, but also to follow people. Yeah, yeah, and th- and that's the I guess that's the thing that I don't want to see the AirTags effectiveness reduced. Mm. I don't want to see the security breached. Um, and you know, and there are other options. You're right. If if Apple's, if whatever Apple puts in in place is good enough, then the bad guys will leave them alone. They'll go and look for something else. They'll spend a couple bucks more on a GPS tracker, and then what do you do with that? And you know, what Rosemary brought up tiles. You know, tile. This has this has never been an issue with tile because it was never an issue with tile that anybody noticed. Because the they were thing is, I think it was an issue. It's just we didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. There was no, there was, there was no way to know that if somebody slipped a tile in your pocket or in your purse or backpack or whatever, you know. Mm. So, so Apple saw that problem and said, "Hey, here's what we're doing about it," and yet they're being crucified for it. And I, okay, I, so maybe to your point, Bart, maybe there are a couple extra things they could do, but right now it's it's pretty darn effective for a version one product. They they, they started this at a pretty good bar, yeah, and. All of these stories contain, I heard a beeping, my phone told me. Like All the stories have that vitally important piece. And I'm just looking at it going, yeah, it works, it works, it works, it works. Yeah. Yep. There are bad people on this world and there will always be bad people on this world. So you can't fix that. Or Apple certainly can't anyway. Um, but what they can do is make their technology tell you when there's something afoot in the wind. And they clearly do that because they beep at you and they come up on your phone and yeah oh. yeah okay well that turned out to be a lot less contentious than I thought it was um, <laughs> I'm going we're to making life too easy you thinking we were going to fight for the minefield of the app store so for a bit of context as to why we all care so much um, according to Apple uh, developer earnings reached a total amount of 260 billion with a b not an m dollars since 2008 that is a lot of cumulative earnings going to developers that is worth fighting over mm. um app annie also say that global app store uh, consumer spend is up 19% uh, so it was 170 billion in 2021 and that's 5% higher now at two thirty billion in twenty twenty, wait twenty. No, twenty twenty one was up. Oh, five anyway. It's it's a lot of money. It's a lot, a lot of money, and the regulatory pressure is definitely continuing to be on Apple. Uh, so developers can now claim for their uh, part of the hundred million dollar settlement in the U.S. South Korea. Um, Apple have told the authorities there that they will provide alternative payment methods, quote, at a reduced service charge, which sounds almost exactly like what Google said, only Apple haven't put any numbers on it, whereas Google said it was 11% commission. Um, So we shall see whether they get away with it, but that's what they're planning to do in South Korea. Uh, Last time we spoke, the Dutch had just told Apple they had to allow dating apps to take third-party payments. Um, 
Just dating apps, I'm assuming that court case was filed in a very narrow way and ended up as a very narrow judgment for that reason. Uh, And Apple had said, yeah, we will definitely get around to doing that um, and we'll have some sort of reduced fee. We haven't told you what it is yet. And the Dutch regulators were like, that's great, Apple, but when we gave you a deadline, we didn't mean a deadline to fix to make a plan. We meant you to actually do it. We're going to start finding you now. Get on with it, please. So we shall see what happens there. Meanwhile, in the United States, the Open Markets Act has been voted out of committee. Um, Apple are cranky about that fact. Um, The Information Technology and Innovation Fund agree with Apple. Shock horror. As does Michael Bloomberg, which was mildly more interesting. Uh, Meanwhile, we have learned that Tim Cook spent 40 minutes uh, apparently fruitlessly trying to convince Ted Cruz that this was a bad idea. So... Oh, yeah. Sorry. One more in the United States. Just to round us off. Illinois is having a go at banning app stores or banning compulsory app stores um, as as Apple have them at the moment. So all of that regulatory pressure is continuing on Apple this month. I don't know if anyone feels the need to comment on all that. Um, I feel like it's an. I'm slightly perplexed about the Netherlands already finding um Apple for not having a system in place in uh, for for dating apps in the Dutch app store because they have to know that this is a very narrow use case. Like I'm not saying the Netherlands doesn't have people that date, clearly they do. Hence, <laughs> you know, this this legislation coming into place. But it is a small part of the app store and let's face it the Netherlands does have a very small geographic share and i know personally from quite a few friends in the netherlands that they're not even using the dutch app store they're using a different app store because then they can get all the apps that they want because some apps aren't released on the dutch app store but not only that but then even after apple have done the groundwork and said okay so here's the new payment processor here's store kit um alternative um or whatever it is that you can use um in in your app the developers of those apps then have to sit down and actually make this work and that's not a not that's not a you know I'm done in half an hour and I'm gonna take a, the rest of the day off type thing. That's a we need to figure out how we're doing this, how we're processing payment information, how we're gonna actually um, find and store all the piece of information that we need to pay EU taxes because oh wait Apple deal with paying taxes to all different members of the EU countries that require them, and if I'm doing all the payment processing myself, I need to do this. And so on and so forth. And it's it's a really, 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 really big ball of knotted yarn. And I do wonder if they think that they've taken some scissors to it and they've cut the heart of the problem. But in reality, all they've done is like, you know, trim the fingernails um, and say, yeah, sure, you're technically allowed to use third party payment processors. Have at it. And everyone's looking at it going, yeah, it's too much work. We're not going to do that um, because there there's a lot to be dealt with there. Um, And I don't know how quickly, you know, um, companies in South Korea, for example, um, who are also supposed to be getting the ability to do external payment processing will also be able to implement that. But it is going to be a lot of work. My feeling is that the the expectation from the Dutch regulators was probably that the tail would wag the dog and Apple would just throw the doors open. Mm. Whereas Apple being Apple 
don't want to throw the doors open and they're looking for, okay, for these specific use cases, you have to do this. And also people, the apps have to go through app review and be verified. Okay. So is this actually a dating app? How do you define a dating app? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and they've yeah, done it through an dating. entitlement, right? So their, their proposal is what they've promised to implement is an entitlement so that the developer would apply for the entitlement and go through the review process, et cetera. Et cetera. Exactly. But then you've got all sorts of apps, like um, the ones where, you know, you can uh, spock is the one that comes to mind. I believe they're actually uh, Viennese from Austria, um, but they're quite popular in a lot of Europe for selling things secondhand. But people also use them to meet up with other people. So is it a marketplace or is it a dating app? Do they get to qualify for the the, the special entitlement or not? And as with all of these things, you're going to have to you're going to have a lot of app developers or um, the companies behind apps arguing, yes, we are entitled to this. And Apple saying, well, no, no, you're not. And I think it's just a lot more complicated than anybody realized. <laughs> if you consider it a, a, a market app, I think we're going to have to call in the vice squad because I think we're going to have a whole nother discussion yeah. about, you know, what kind of commerce is being engaged here. And, you know, that's the thing that I, I guess I have a hard time taking this stuff seriously. You know, dating apps, all right? I mean, unless somebody's making a, an incredible amount of money about, off of dating apps that I haven't been reading about, this either feels like a test case or just, once again, somebody trying to get attention for themselves. I, 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 I'm, I'm really skeptical about that. It's about a really that. big industry, Chuck. Um, it is a huge industry. It, it's a gigantic industry. They, they have a lot of lobbyists Remember you, yeah, you so, remember you said follow the money? Oh, yeah, but I guess, you know, and listen, maybe because I haven't used a dating app. Um, <laughs> I've you know, never I used one either, I, but I believe they're quite popular. <laughs> well, I, I think they're, yeah, Bart, they're popular. And I, what I don't know, I don't know how the, monet, the, uh, the monetization part goes. I don't know. It's if, you know, usually if, people sign up for a membership to be able to actually access either the app, either the content of the app itself or um, more specifically, actually be able to communicate inside of the app um, and, and so on. Because otherwise, you know, you can see people, but you can't talk to them type thing of kind of like being at a zoo. But there is a massive industry uh, behind this, um, whether that's for good or bad is something that remains to be seen in 100 years where people can look back and review. Um, but it is... Um, a heavily monetized industry, um, which makes a lot of people a lot of money. Um, and uh, it's not that, surprising that I, they want a, a larger chunk of their pie. If that's the case, then I stand corrected. But I, you know, I, I just look at this and I think, wow, I, I don't, I, I just don't, maybe because I don't play in that space, but, and some of the other stuff, you know, the, the Ted, the Ted Cruz story. Um, and what was the other one? Oh, um, the one, the Open Mark App Markets Act. I mean, here in the United States, I feel like these are some people that are running for president next time. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> that that know. is certainly true of the Open Markets App. And my my reading of the politics on that one is that it was voted out of committee as a courtesy uh, to Senator Klobuchar because other Democrats didn't feel like giving her a slap on the face in her own committee. But... A snowball's chance in hell, I think, is probably how likely that is to pass. But I imagine it's going to make a heck of a lot of noise leading up to round about, say, the start of November. Yeah, and it bothers me that, you know, she she's going to get credit for that because this just seems so ill-conceived from where I sit that. Yeah, I'm I mean, not that, a huge Bloomberg fan, but he's right this time. Yeah. Yes. It's rare that you can say that. <laughs> yes, yeah, stopped clocking on that. Um, 
And the other thing that absolutely blew up in terms of the App Store was the fact that, right, Apple's justification is always that it is a walled garden, you are safe in here, we look after everything, it is beautifully tended, and it's chock-a-block full of rip-offs, like, say, complete clones of Wordle, which is a web app, not a bloody App Store app. And mm-hmm. because Wordle is A, spectacularly good fun, and B, a real piece of joy in the pandemic, the fact that it was being ripped off in the App Store, it lit a bit of a fuse, and it became really quite the story. Uh, probably also not helped by the fact that it was then sold to the New York Times for a, quote, low seven-digit figure. I guess that's one Tim Cook per year or something, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> not bad uh, going. Just about. Not bad going for a, a web developer who just did it for his wife. So, Rosemary, you, you know. I mean, I, I've I've looked at Wordle. I play Wordle every day. Yesterday, um, I, I guessed foist and joist, and I was incorrect on both of them. And I was so annoyed. Was it moist? So annoyed. Yes, yes, it was. And uh, that was the one word that didn't occur to me. Of course, of course. But I ran out of guesses and that was the first time I've lost. Um, But I, you know, this, like, it is a very simple game and I'm very impressed with it. And I was also very impressed that an older app called Wordle with an exclamation mark uh, saw a huge boost uh, in downloads and purchases and the developers donated proceeds to charity because he's a nice person and realized that, you know, people were buying this thinking they were getting, you know, other wordle. The, the, yeah. The other wordle. Um, yeah, he, and was, he was getting so, downloads of one to two a day until this whole story broke. And then he was getting downloads of 200,000 a week. Yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah, he, his, his downloads went off the chart, um, <laughs> but he, he's responded. And I have to say the fact that there are developers like him, um, there's also Christian who makes the, the Reddit app called Apollo, where he donates a massive amount of money to a local no-kill cat shelter every year and has adopted, I believe, one or two cats from them now um, and uh, pays the pet tax on Reddit, as is required, of course. Um, but, um, you know, there are lots of great app developers out there in the app store making really great things. And then there are some really not so great people who are just going, yeah, I can rip this off in a weekend. That That's cool. I'll do that and see how much money I make out of it. And th- there's always been a huge industry out of buying domain names and squatting them and throwing ads on them. So instead of Google, you would buy Goggle or something. And the, the whole practice in general is, is not new. Um, but I, I do wish the App Store were slightly better at this. That said... From their perspective, it's also impossible to tell. Is this app really deliberately intended to be a ripoff of this or is it not? Because I don't know if either of you have ever had the experience. You start reading a book and you think, I've read this story before. Yeah. And you haven't read that book by that author, but you've read another book by another author. And they may never have crossed over in like one one of them may never have read the other. They could have been set apart by a couple of hundred years. There's all sorts of things. But, you know, people have the same idea again and again. And the the idea itself is essentially worth nothing. It's all about the implementation and the execution of it. Um, and, you know, as we saw with the web app, Wordle, it's really well done. It's It's really nicely done. It's very easy, very simple, very effective, and everybody gets it. And it's fun. Um, and as we've seen, there's a lot of people who've realized that they can copy that but when you set out to copy it, I think that's the problem. But if Apple were to start trying to prove that, then there would be even more court cases for the legal section every week, every month. Possibly, possibly. It's, I don't know, it, it just, 
if you're going around telling everyone how great your walled garden is, you really do need to tend the weeds. Yes, you do. Yes. And um, I think there should be a better system for developers to say, I believe this app has ripped, is, is trying to rip me off and trying yeah. to get into the app store with exactly the same name as another existing app with almost identical functionality should raise flags in app review. Even if they don't necessarily do anything with it at that precise moment, it should definitely get further review from somebody. Yeah, and you can do that with a fuzzy search. Like you can even automate that, that it gets a little yeah. exclamation point for the reviewer to, you know, double your effort on this one. Yes, precisely. Because you have stuff like the other story that's very, very much related is the fact that uh, the highest rated app or the highest money making app made 13 million. It's called Amp Me, and it basically was charging a subscription to do nothing because you can't actually change the audio drivers inside the iPhone because everything's sandboxed off to be Jesus. So Amp Me didn't do anything apart from take your money. So how did that get through the review process? How did it make 13 million? And how did Apple only notice when it made the media rather than, you know, so, yeah. So Bart, I've had this argument about this particular story. And, you know, I've, there's, look, there's no, no excuse, no question. This is a scam app. But somebody signed up, somebody downloaded it, somebody signed up for it, and then somebody neglected to check their subscriptions and pay attention. And apparently it was a, a whole lot of somebody's. And the, the thing that I don't hear it talked about in this story is the personal responsibility of those who signed up for it. Okay. That, that, bothers, that bothers me a lot. That, I, that I see your point, is, Chuck, but I will counter with Apple's selling point is that they literally say, we charge you for stuff and we have a closed system because we take the hassle away from you we're going to protect you. That's a service we offer and you pay for with these premium products. So if you're offering a premium service that's supposed to be safe, that's supposed to be protecting you, well, gosh darn it, follow through. Mm. Apple Hi. have improved things, though, because they, I think it was last year, or was it the year before, where they added when you, when you go to delete an app from your phone, if you have an active subscription, it prompts you to cancel yes. your subscription. Yes. And that is a, a really good use case um, of them being able to use the tools that they have at their disposal to say, hey, you're getting rid of this thing, but you're paying for it. Do you want to stop paying for it? Because they should do that. But also, they monitor what apps you open and don't open. They've been doing this for ages with offloading um, things to save space on your device. But if you haven't opened an app in the period of time during which, you know, your subscription renews, they should probably flag that and prompt you to say, hey, you know, like they send you an an, an email like a, a hmm. couple of weeks before yearly subscription re uh, renews. I know because I got one recently for Overcast. Um, and that's great. But maybe they should just be a bit more proactive about that and go, and by the way, you haven't opened this, but do it as a push notification on your device, which is the device that knows that you haven't opened it because obviously they're not tracking that information on their servers. And Rosemary, how many of those, how many times do you think people would actually pay attention to that and cancel it? I mean, I, I, I mean, I, my I, mom does. I, I work hard. Well, I work, I mean, I, I work hard to try to not have notifications coming to me. Mm. And I still get an, a ridiculous number of notifications. And, you know, and I'm not proud of the fact, but at some point, if I'm in the middle of a business call or I'm trying to go to sleep or something and one of those pops up, it's like, yeah, leave me alone. Click. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I again, I'm back to the personal responsibility thing. If you yeah. sign up for this, man, you got to take you got to take responsibility for it. 
you should stop right now. Well, after this show and check your <laughs> subscriptions. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to kill Bart's show in the middle, but you know, check your subscriptions. You take responsibility for it. Don't keep expecting somebody to do it for you or take care of it. I, you know, I, and, and to the point, Bart, to your point, um, you know, I've had situations where I had difficulty with an app and I contacted Apple and, you know, I, I received a refund. I received any assistance I asked for. I don't know how many times Apple has been called on, on to try to deal with AppMe, whether there was a problem, uh, excuse me, AmpMe, pardon me, um, if there was a problem with the subscription that kept on going when I tried to cancel it. But I think this is just a, this is a glowing example of people not paying attention and expecting somebody else to do it for them. And that just, I, I can't swing with that. Yeah, there are a lot of people who do ignore their emails and things like that. And you do get an email every time Apple bills you. Um, and yep. that's something you actively have to go in and turn off. I've just looked under settings, Apple ID, subscriptions, there's renewal receipts. And you can toggle that off. But I would suggest that everybody probably ought to have that toggled on and just have a look at them. It would be great if they offered a roll-up service for that where you could just get one email a day instead of potentially like three or four in the same day because I know I had three today. Rosemary, you're reading my mind because I was about to suggest that Apple copy from Google with every now and then you get a privacy checkup from Google of all people where they say, by the by, have you checked your privacy settings recently? Now, <laughs> I always feel they're being disingenuous, but it is actually a good thing for them to pop it up every now and then. So even mm. if, if quarterly or something, Apple popped up a little, by the by, have you checked your subscriptions? You're still using these. And particularly if you tie it in with the usage data, like you suggested, Rosemary, where you could actually mm. have could you imagine you get a little thing that shows here are your five subscriptions and this app you use five times a week and this app you use zero times? Well, I'd find it a lot easier to, un you know, I would just look at that and go unsubscribe, unsubscribe, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be really useful if they could, you know, flip it as well as telling you how much, how many of the apps that you've got on your phone you spend all your time in. How many do you actually not use? Um, and that would, no, that would be great for not just subscriptions. It, if they could put like a little money sign next to the ones that you're paying money for on a regular basis, that would be fabulous. Um, okay. But also just from the perspective of, I don't use these apps. How important are they in my life? Maybe I should go through and have a bit of a digital spring clean and clean up. And then Apple could also look at that data and go, okay, well, this app was uninstalled from X number of devices within X hours of installation. Um, let's maybe, um, or within X hours of us prompting them to, to check on the apps that they don't use, maybe we should have a look at that. And that should raise a flag back up with App Review um, to see whether or not, you know, there's something maybe kind of scammy and fishy going on with this. Because Apple can reject an app for pretty much whatever reason they like. They are so capricious on some things, which is why I'm always surprised when they're not capricious about like the scam mm. apps. It is, it is a look of the draw to some extent, and I think maybe it's a yes and Chuck because you're not wrong about personal responsibility, but I also it's, think I'm not wrong that if Apple promise a walled garden, we'll garden it. Yeah. But, uh, Okay, so I, I can't help it, Bart. I can't leave it alone. <laughs> no, I so, didn't think you would, Chuck. That's why I love having you on. <laughs> you're just baiting me is what you're doing. Kind of. Um, you know, yeah, I, I again, but this this is a different kind of scam app. It's not taking anything from you that you didn't know you were giving up. I mean... Mm, uh, promises to raise the volume of your phone, which is technically impossible. So how did that ever get by app review? That 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 now that's the first point of, that I would tend to agree with you on. 
But on the other hand, you know, remember the the early on in the app store, there was that the one million dollar app or something, Ruby that, or something, which is a picture of a diamond, and it costs about as much yeah. as a diamond. Well, sorry, a ruby, yeah. not a diamond. Yeah. It, it, exactly, exactly. You know, this has been around for a long time, and you know these these kind of things, and the number of people that you know fall for them is fascinating. But here, I mean, it's it said it would do something, it didn't do it. Okay, that's that's a problem. But is that something that Apple should police? It's sort of like the Wordle, um, the clone discussion. Man, that that opens up. I mean, would it be nice? Sure, in a perfect world. But the world is not perfect. Do you really want Apple to be the arbiter of, gee, this this flashlight app is a copy of that flashlight app? Apple would never get anything do done. Uh, I mean, I actually think that there is actually a good use case there of saying, like, re-implementing um, functionality provided by the hardware of the device um, should not be um, an app. Because the number of people I ha- I know who've got a flashlight app, which, oh, wait, it's in the control center. And if it's not in your control center, you can add it. Like, it, it's, yeah, um, and they, they have that in the that. early days, and they got into all sorts of trouble with regulators being very cranky at them because there were, you know there was a while where you couldn't write a third party email app because that was core functionality of the phone, and then Google went nuts. So they did yeah. briefly try that road, and it didn't go well for them. Well, I'm I'm specifically thinking here hardware. So, for example, things provided like the flashlight that wouldn't be something that they should necessarily offer as an app because Apple do have that as actual hardware and that would then deal with things like the increase in speaker volume but that won't fix the uh 80 000 wordle clones that there are right yeah, yeah. okay um let me any any other thoughts on the never-ending story of the app store <laughs> Oh, actually, no, I, sorry, I, I put some good news in the show notes because I didn't want to end being cranky because I sort of thought that might happen. So Apple do continue to make things better. Um, so they are extending the App Store Foundation program to 29 new countries, which is basically Europe. Um, it's basically coming to the EU, effectively, the European economic area, really. Um, and there's a new feature now available. If you develop an app that's for a very specific group of people, up until now, you had to put it in the App Store and make it searchable, and it was just noise, really, and you ended up with people installing it who probably shouldn't because it was no use to them. But you can now have an unlisted app. So basically, if you have the link, you can get the app. And if you don't have the link, it won't show up in people's searches. So I'm, I'm you know, with my university hat on, I'm thinking, why does anyone but our students need to know about our custom app? Right? That's something we can advertise on our website. Why does it need to be searchable in the store? Well, now that becomes possible. And I'm sure there's lots of people who have these kind of apps, you know, for yeah. you know, various special interest groups. Yes, yes. I know a lot of companies have got apps for internal use. Um, I actually worked on one briefly at my uh, old employer, which was an Android app for um, the custodians who used it to badge in with the NFC tags as to where they'd actually been as part of their security checks. Um, and I'm imagining that there are many, many, many use cases for this out there. So I'm really glad that this is becoming a thing because, yeah, the number of times that I've tried to go and download an app and I've looked for something and I found something with the right name, but it's actually a completely different thing that's actually some internal company app and you download it and it says you need to have an account with this company at this domain to sign in. It's like, oh, okay, so this is definitely not what I was looking for, not just a case of somebody with a terrible app store description. You should try search the app store for Moodle 
Um, oh god yeah no moodle is just terrible because it is a open source learning management uh software and so everybody can write their own app for it it's not just no it's worse than that rosemary moodle hq sell branded moodle apps as a service to universities yes so they make the app for you so there are literally thousands of universities who pay Moodle HQ to make a separate Moodle app for each university. And the first thing that happens when you go to log in is exactly what you just described. You get presented with the university's Google or Microsoft or whatever single sign-on service and you can't get any further. So, Though I will say, to Moodle's credit, there is a regular Moodle app, which is the official Moodle app, which theoretically works with any Moodle install. I say theoretically because from experience, it doesn't, but it's theoretically there. But it's the same with um, Blackboard or any system yeah. that higher education um, company uh, companies uh, institutions. places offer. Institutions, that's the word. That's the word. I used to work for one. I should remember this vocabulary. Um, but it, yeah, they've all got the same problem. And so many companies have got, you know, internal apps for things like this and that and booking holiday and sending each other, you know, screenshots of, secure things or whatever it is that I'm sure there's plenty of space for this. Okay, um, I'm going to quickly move us into our fourth story, which I don't think we need to spend too much time on because I think it's quite straightforward. Basically, Apple had their Q1 earnings call because Apple do the calendar funny. Um, Before the earnings call even started, so earlier in the month, we got uh, word that Apple became the first company to hit a $3 trillion market capitalization, which is insane. The Mac grew more than any other PC brand, according to numbers from Canalys. Uh, Apple took the top spot in smartphone sales in China for the first time since 2015. That's CounterPoint's numbers there. And then IDC had uh, Samsung shipping the most phones for the whole of 2021. But for Q4, which is when Apple launched all of their flagship products, Apple was the top selling uh, worldwide smartphone as well, according to IDC. So leading into that call, you can kind of imagine it was going to go well. And it did. Um, let me see some of the headlines. Um, Apple posts another 100 billion plus quarter. Um, Apple has Apple just had the biggest holiday quarter in its history. Uh, growth for iPhone, Mac, and services 123.9 billion in revenue. The M1 processor drives 11 billion quarter for the Mac. So, and then the one little little fly hovering about all of this ointment then is iPad sales, which Mm. were down. And uh, the reason for that is because Apple basically went, yeah, we're taking all those chips, which are so scarce, and we're shoving them into our iPhones 13. Um, And so that's why the iPad sales went down. Uh, And then the other thing I definitely do want to mention is that obviously one of the joys of the earnings call is that Tim Cook speaks and says things. Um, And so we learn new stuff. So what we learned this time of note was that there are now 1.8 billion active Apple devices, which is astonishing because there's like only a couple of billion of us on the planet and it's 1.8 billion devices. Now, I do own a fair number of those devices, I grant you. Um, And also Apple have 105 million paid subscribers for its services. So strikes as pretty good earnings. Yeah, I mean, the fact that the six-year-old iPhone 6S gets iOS updates, I'm sure is contributing to their 1.8 billion install base. Um, But equally, that's a lot of devices, a heck of a lot of devices. That's 
impressive. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, so but cool. all of my devices end up handed down, so they live on because when oh, yeah. they're no longer good enough for me, they go to my darling beloved, and when he's done with them, they generally go to a niece or a nephew or, you know, someone. I mean, you know, an, an old iPhone of mine can make a fantastic first phone for someone, you know? Yeah. My grandmother has um, an 8 Plus, which I think was my, yeah, it was mine for a while, then it was my mum's, and now it's my grandmother's. Yeah, um, you go up the generations. So- Yes, yes, we we pass upwards in this family, um, but uh, it, it works out pretty well. Um, and uh, it's a shame that it's going to take nine weeks for people to get an iPad if they are ordering a new one. But three for store is still there, and it's cheaper. Yeah, as we've indeed as we already mentioned, uh, and I should and say, it, oh, sorry, Chuck. Well, just just an obvious point that for all the things that we just criticized Apple for, you know, top to bottom, they're still. Pretty darn successful. It's funny. How yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think we were too harsh on them um, on the whole. Uh, I don't think the show can be accused of saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling, because that is obviously the best way to make to make money is to make a headline that says Apple is doomed. Uh, yes. Yeah. Again. Again. Yeah, it was quite hard to do with these sales. And normally yes. I joke about the fact that Apple posts excellent results and Wall Street goes nuts and sells all their Apple stock. Well, Apple posted excellent results. And this time the shares went up 5% in pre-market. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I'm sure they'll collapse in a heap as soon as the market opens. Nope. They went up 7% when the market actually opened. So it would appear that Wall Street were genuinely surprised in a good way, as opposed to Apple not living up to expectations Apple never set which is my perpetual complaint about stock price. Okay. Um, Anyone have any thoughts on that? Or it seems a very by the book earnings call. Yes. I mean, they've got plenty of cash. If they were a dragon rolling around in gold coins, they would be a very happy dragon. So look out, Ericsson. Look out, Ericsson. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. I haven't seen their earnings call. I wonder how they're doing. Anyway, uh, definitely not this good because there's only one biggest company in the world and that would be Apple. Uh, A few quick stories here just before we wrap up. Um, Black History Month is this month as we record this. Apple have a whole bunch of stuff across their entire product catalogue, including a special Apple Watch band, a Unity solo loop. And if I may just say, I was actually really disappointed because it just looks black. Like, I, I, I bought last year's model just two or three weeks ago in preparation for Black History Month, and I'm really happy I did, because last year's one was nice. But anyway. I will say this one um, is the braided solo loop, whereas last year's was the Elastomer. and I have to say my braided solo loop, I've got the dark cherry, is incredibly comfortable. Um, and Micah Sargent was saying to me that uh, he really likes the look of it, so maybe it, it looks a bit more colourful in person. But the, the, the watch face is pretty nice. I quite like how that transitions throughout the day. Yeah, I I went with the pride. I went with the solo loop for the pride one this summer, uh, and yes. I don't like the solo loop. Is what I've also realised because the pride one is actually pretty, but I yeah, I guess I just don't like the solo loop. Anyway, that is there for people who want it, and I'm glad to hear Micah thinks it looks better in person. Um, I will take Micah's opinion on these things. <laughs> um, he has much more fashion sense than I ever will. Um, so. <laughs> Yes, I think he was particularly taken with the green threads that were woven in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the, we didn't know when Apple released uh, iOS 15 how long they'd let us keep getting security updates on iOS 14. We were all surprised we got to do it for any amount of time at all, but we were all wondering when the other shoe would drop. 
well, it has dropped. If you would like to be patched and secure, you must now upgrade to iOS 15. Don't worry, folks, the water's nice and warm. Come on in and join us. It's grand over here. Yes, and it's good timing because iOS 15.4 has the new emoji update. So people are going to be looking for that anyway. So they're probably going to go, fine, guess it's time to switch. Yeah, pretty much. Um, HomePod would appear to be set for a major European expansion because all news that broke this month, Belgium, so basically in Holland and Belgium, we have Dutch language support. In Sweden, they apparently have beta testers out testing HomePod minis. In um, Denmark and Norway, there are also tests going on. So it really does look like there's a big European launch imminent for the HomePod mini, which is interesting. Uh, and if you, like me, are really enjoying the camera in the iPhone 13, then Apple have a new uh, challenge out. They want your macro photographs to celebrate the new feature in the new cameras. And finally, keep the date. Apple's shareholder meeting will take place on March 4th. And there are some interesting things up for a vote. Um, some quite activist shareholders, so they could get a little bit of fireworks, which we will obviously talk about in the March show. With that, I am going to say that we have drawn a line under this month's Apple News and I would like to thank my guests for their help in doing so. In no particular order, Rosemary, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you enjoyed yourself. And I certainly did. Well, good. And do let the kind listeners know where they can get a little bit more of you. Well, if you want to find me and all the things I do, you can find me at rosemaryorchard.com, which has links to all the other podcasts. And of course, I'm hanging out on Twitter at Rosemary Orchard. Excellent. And Chuck, do you, again, thank you for joining us. And do you want to let the good listeners know where they can get more of you? Absolutely. Um, thanks for having me, Bart. It's always fun. Um, MacVoices.com is where you can hear my conversations with all kinds of interesting people in the tech area. Uh, we do Mac Voices live on YouTube on Tuesday nights at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, whatever time that is, wherever you are, uh, on youtube.com slash TV, And you can find me uh, in social media as at Chuck Joyner. Excellent. Well, you will find detailed show notes with links to all of the stories that inform my thinking on this month's news over at lets-talk.ie. While you're there, there's a section in the sidebar called Support the Show, where you can click on giant big blue buttons to sign up to the Patreon or make a one-off donation to PayPal. And I, we technically still have a Zazzle store because, I don't know, I haven't realised that the last decade is over, but we still have it technically. Um, and there are also affiliate links for DigitalOcean, which is what makes all of my websites go, and for Hover.com, which is what makes all of my domain names exist. And if you use those links, I get a little bit of a thank you from those companies. And in the case of DigitalOcean, you get some free credit too, which is always nice. So thank you to everyone who has ever supported the show. This show has no ads. It exists for one reason and one reason only. You guys support the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I've been your host, Bart Bouchard. So you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody. This is Simon Parnell, the host of the Essential Apple Podcast. 
the show where we aim to take a wander around the week's news in Apple, news, reviews, technology, security and anything else that catches our eye. Plus, from time to time, we like to have guests from the industry who we get to tell us about their products, their services, their history, their philosophies, what uh, drives them and, of course, just what makes them tick. That plus a bunch of friends talking about the news in Apple. What more could you possibly want? Check us out on the My Mac Podcasting Network.